0: Welcome back to another episode of Loose Talk Forever. Um, it's been a while, but Scott and I are back. Uh, unfortunately, Kyle couldn't be with us tonight. He's at a Jays game. booing we went on the uh, shitty Tron Blue Jays. Boo. Uh, <laughs> uh, as you can probably tell just by Scott saying boo, uh, he's very sick. Uh, so we apologize if you hear any coughing, sneezing, anything like that. But he's a warrior. I didn't think he was going to do it, but he's here. Busting ass, so uh, we got our annual draft preview. What is this third year, second year, second, second? Um, we're going to talk a little news and notes around the NHL with Keith uh, in Toronto, and then obviously some trades that happened, um, and our and our thoughts on those. And then we're going to get into a little discussion about the Leafs' draft plans, uh, so on and so forth, and then a few other things. That I thought of last night just to talk about um, and in intertwined in this uh, will be just looking here uh, Kyle's responses because he couldn't be here but because it was an important episode we decided to get him uh, to type them to us so we have them to incorporate so let's get into it without further ado we will hit it with Scott you want to talk about uh, Keith and your opinion on him staying. Uh, sure uh,
1: yeah I don't agree I thought for sure once Kyle Dews left that Keith would have been out the door not long after and then they said they kind of wanted to wait until the new GM came in to make a decision which again really doesn't make sense to me because Brandon Shanahan could have just fired him um, but if it's only for this year like this coming year which I think is the last year on his deal anyway I um, I guess it's not that big of a deal, but I think there's better coaches out there, more experienced coaches, specifically playoff caliber coaches who they could have replaced him with if they were going to bring in a new uh, GM who potentially had a different vision than both Kyle Dubas and uh, uh, Sheldon Keith had with the team, which, um, judging by some of the news that's come out, it looks like it's going to go in that direction. So I, I, don't know, I just felt like that with Dubas, he would have been out the door because they were kind of a package deal. But if you have to put up with him just for the next year at least, I guess that's not that big of an issue.
0: Scott, we have some breaking news coming down the pipe. Uh, Tyler Toffoli was traded from the Calgary Flames to, guess where? Uh, Montreal. No, the New Jersey Devils for Serengovich and a third-round pick. I'm just going to take a second and talk for a minute. This is my Sid Six era rant. About, uh, what was that, Wednesday? Thursday, I wrote an article about uh, Tyler Toffoli in Toronto potentially as a fit, and people were saying, so I, I did a little research, people said second-round pick. So then I did an article based on draft picks or prospects that equaled a second-round pick. Scott knows this. I was getting absolutely destroyed in the comments. Whooped, ripped, insert whatever you want there about that trade and about how I was an idiot and who wrote this. And now, not even a week later, he's traded for Sar- Sharon Go- Govich, who was their third or fourth round player, and a third round pick. When I said they should trade Tyler Toffoli to the, f- uh, sorry, they should tr- they should acquire Tyler Toffoli and trade Nick Robertson and a third round pick. So fuck you guys. Anyways, back to your regular scheduled program, Scott. Back to Keith. Uh,
1: why are you talking like that?
0: I think it's just his microphone. What's it sound like?
1: Like you're doing a news report.
0: Oh no i I didn't mean to. No, no news like, reporting.
1: Like, not your, not like the mic sound. It's just like the the pattern of your speech that you were talking.
0: Oh, that, was, like supposed like like a, that was supposed to be like a that was supposed to be like a sarcastic fu kind of speech. You know, like the lights are dim. It's oh, all it, me.
1: Yeah, I didn't it didn't come across as that at all, by the way. So
0: Oh okay, well that's how I, that's why I said Six yeah. is Sarah Rant, because it's like the the lights are dark. Shit's happening.
1: Oh. Uh yeah, it didn't it didn't happen. Um yeah, I think I ended my Sheldon Keefe point when I said that I thought he would have been out with Dubis, but if they're on if, if this year they just want to keep him for the rest of his contract, then I guess I'd be okay with that. Preferably not, uh, any longer than that, because if you're going to bring in a new GM who's going to bring in new players, a potentially new vision for the team to build around the core four, as opposed to just, uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, then I, I felt like a new coach would have fit that, uh, better than bringing back Sheldon Keefe. But um, obviously, I don't make the decision, so if they see something in him, obviously they know more than I do, so hopefully he can rebound without Dubis there, but if he doesn't, then I feel like he's gone after this year anyway, so.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that there's going to be a contract extension for him. It was reported that he, if he came back, it was supposed to be a contract extension, but it doesn't seem like there's going to be one, but I do agree with everything you said. He shouldn't have been back. Um. You can blame Kyle Dubas for whatever, but if you're also going to put blame on the players, you also have to put blame on the coach. And this is offseason or this ownership group has shown that maybe they don't believe it's the coach. Maybe they believe it's the players and the GMs. So the only good thing is, I don't expect if the team went like two and seven or two and eight or two and nine, whatever, to start the year, I have a feeling that he'll be canned.
1: Yeah, it'll be like the Babcock's last year.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, he they're still searching for an assistant coach because Spencer Carberry um, got a job and got a promotion to the Washington Capital uh, Capitals as their head coach. Um, some thought Travis Green. Travis Green, I think, is going to the Devils. Excuse me. Um. And then also they thought uh, Mitch Mitch Love from the Flames, but he's joining Spencer Carberry in Washington. So um, the search continues for that one. Scott, if there's anyone out there, I think we might agree on the same guy, but if there's anyone out there, who who would you want?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously Bruce Boudreau, but I doubt he'd be um, assistant coach. I feel like if you're going to bring in Boudreau, then they're going to wait until he's the head coach. I don't feel like he he's the guy that should run the ship, not a guy who, like, is back up to Sheldon Keefe's decisions or views or opinions or... But, like, if they bring him in as assistant coach, whatever, I'm all for that. But I just feel like the, the dynamic is, is should be flipped where Sheldon Keefe should be the assistant and Bruce Boudreaux should be the head coach.
0: I do, I do think that, I guess... Like It's kind of cliche, but everyone says that when you hire an assistant coach for a coach in their last year of the contract, you're basically hiring their replacement. And that could work with um, Boudreaux, you know what I mean? But the only problem with that is Sheldon Keefe will know when they hire a guy like Boudreaux that he's on the hot seat, you know? Co- contract yeah, extension I mean, or not.
1: I mean, Sheldon Keefe already knows anyway, so.
0: Well, that's not true. He
1: knew the second that Dubas didn't reset and went to Pittsburgh, that his time in Toronto is limited now. So, I don't feel like hiring the assistant coach as a replacement really matters in the upper um, management or ownership size. It's there. They're giving him the final year of his deal, excuse me. And then, if he stays, he stays. If he walks, he walks, whatever. But they're obviously going to replace him. I just don't think it'll be as Bruce Boudreau, the assistant, being promoted head coach, I feel like if they bring in Bruce Boudreau, it'll be after this season where he could just be named head coach right away and not be the assistant. Yeah. Um, to me, anyway, and this may be an older viewer uh, or, or an older way of thinking, but the assistant coach roles, in my mind, should be people who are trying to become head coaches, people who are, like, not high-end head coaches Or people who are being promoted from the minor league head coach to the assistant coach job, and the one to take over. If you have an established, pretty much Hall of Fame coach in Bruce Boudreau, I feel like you would never hire him as an assistant coach. He would always be your head coach, and then you just sit and wait for a team to offer him a contract.
0: Yeah, I do agree. Though I think Bruce Boudreau would be the type of guy that would maybe not get. Hired per se next offseason, but I feel like he's going to be hired if, like, he would be the hire for Keith if Keith got fired, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, he's
1: in that, like, Lindy Ruff, maybe Paul Maurice, like that echelon of coaches where you would never, at this point in their career, you wouldn't really see them as assistant coaches because it would just be like they're pretty, everybody would just think they're running the show anyway. That's true. So, I don't really like he they could name him as the assistant coach. Odds are they probably won't. But yeah, I just don't I don't see it as a, a fit for him being the assistant when you could just replace him with Keith when Keith leaves. If he's still available, of course. Although, you could take that route too, right? Just you fear he may not be available. You convince him to be the assistant coach for a year. Him knowing that next year he's going to become head coach anyway. So he agrees to it. And that way you get him and you don't have to wait. With the chance of him not being there next year.
0: Yeah. Um. Just I'm just looking here. There's not. I mean, there's Gerard Gallant, but he he's in that same category. You know what I mean? So I I'm not really sure who their their assistant coach options are. Like, if you're not going to hire Bruce Boudreau, maybe Travis Green kind of made sense because he was out of the game for a little bit. Like, he was two years removed from a coaching job, but.
1: Yeah, but even then, um, like him coaching in Vancouver, he wasn't really the most prolific coach. Like, yeah, he's sure. the one. Of, he was in the boat of he probably should have been in more time as an assistant or minor league or whatever coach first before he got the role. Where now that he was a head coach, him being an assistant coach, like it's not really that much of a demotion because he only coached Vancouver for what two years, and like he isn't that prolific of a head coach or has that status as a head coach yet. So you can still see him being an assistant, working his way back to that role.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's... Excuse me, one second. Excuse me, sorry. Let's transition to a little bit of news and notes uh, with the trade uh, scene around the NHL. I'm going to name a few, uh, and then after I name a few, you're going to tell me which one you like the most. Okay. So there was the Toffoli, Tyler Toffoli to the Devils for uh, Igor Sharagovic and a third. Um, there's a few uh, smaller ones I'm not going to get into. San Jose acquired the rights to RFA Mackenzie Blackwood for a sixth. Winnipeg got a 2024 second-round pick. Rasmus uh, Kapari, Alex Iofalo, and Gabriel Velardi. And the Kings got Pierre Luc Dubois and then signed him eight times eight um or eight times eight point five. Um Montreal acquired lost down on Pierre Luc Dubois, so they acquired Alex Newhook for a first, a second, and uh I have no idea, Gia Giovanni Fairbrother. brother or I have no idea who that guy is. Um and that doesn't say Giovanni. Uh St. Louis Blues acquire Kevin Hayes for a sixth round pick. Uh, Chicago acquired Taylor Hall and Nick Felino for Alex Regula and Ian Mitchell. And then we have Colorado acquired Ryan Johansson at half his salary for Alex. Uh, sorry, Alex Galchenyuk, who then is getting released and not offered a contract. And then the Kings traded Sam, Sean Jersey for, to the Coyotes for a 2024 second round pick. Like I said, there are some minor ones. Which one of those ones stand out to you as maybe not one that you personally like or, or whatever, but the one that excuse me, that you think is going to have the biggest impact on their team? Uh,
1: I'd, I'd probably say the uh, Blackwood trip. Right? I, I don't know. Just the fact that he was given up for us. I know he hasn't been the best or at the level of what everybody expected to be the last couple of years, which – Barring this past season with New Jersey, I don't really blame him because the team has had its up and downs in the last couple of years. Uh, but, yeah, the fact that they've gone for a sixth kind of threw me, especially for even just for a goalie of his profile. Like, he's still relatively young. He could bounce back for any team, really, as long as you have a good de- defense in front of him. So, yeah, the, like, I thought he would have went for a lot more. And then San Jose's kind of team coming up on the rise here, uh, and they also have um, Conklin from that they got from Minnesota, so I I feel like either as a tandem or if Blackwood could kind of work his way back into that starter role and play at the level of but I expected him to, I think that would be a massive steal for for San Jose.
0: Um, Blackwood's I think gonna be twenty six, so uh, depending well, yeah. on Relatively. how. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not disputing what you're saying. I'm just agreeing with you and and furthering your point that depending on how St. Louis can do in the next, or sorry, San Jose can do with the prospects that they already have, and then as well as this draft, uh, he could be helping San Jose become competitive or at least a wild card team in the next two years. Yeah, like I thought eventually I... they're gonna not. They're, eventually they're gonna stop trading players away and start acquiring the names. You know, what I mean, like like New Jersey, yeah. New Jersey's done.
1: I thought he, if obviously there was the rumblings that New Jersey was going to look to move him, but if he did get moved, I thought it would have went to a team that was a playoff team that kind of didn't necessarily have the best goalie situation. Yeah. Maybe not so much Toronto, but like maybe a Washington or, or whoever else, like the teams that necessarily don't have a Vasilevsky or in the Montreal's case, like in the past, a carry price or, um, Corey Crawford or whoever right uh, yeah. but the fact that he went to a team that's kind of on the rise that he could be that step into that role and and make his go or elevate his play back to that level to help San Jose get into the playoffs I mean it kind of makes sense
0: um
1: i mean not that he really had a say cuz he didn't have a no move clause so san jose have the choice and i'm i'm assuming yeah, that he's still because R- they went for RFA. six that now well, yeah, but I mean, like, it's not like he could say, I want to get traded to San Jose, and then New Jersey's like, yeah, San Jose is the only team that's, you know what I mean? It's that's not true, like yeah. the um, Torrey Krug trade where it kind of got screwed over because Krug's like, no, I'm not going there, and they're like, well, that kind of screws us over, so now we have to take less. It was just, uh, and judging from the fact that he went for a sixth, maybe other teams were not offering that much more, so maybe his, his stock is pretty low right now. But I feel yeah. like if he could step up his play and San Jose plays above or to the next level like everybody's expecting him to in the next coming years, then I feel like he could go back into that um perception of what everybody expected him to be when he was drafted the first couple years in New Jersey.
0: Now I gotta I gotta wonder, is Mackenzie Blackwood the next Matt Murray, had a couple good years and then has fallen injured injury prone and kinda um not wanted. However, I, I I mean potentially could, that happens a lot. He could bullies. prove it exactly. He could prove everyone wrong. And and one you did mention Toronto. It's not that I don't want Elias Samsonov back, but Toronto could have. And it's not a good strategy to have. But Toronto could have done the same thing that they did with Elias Samsonov with the one year, one point, whatever million dollars, um, as like the show media. and they could have traded that as sixth or f- or seventh or fifth or a roster player or a prospect to New Jersey for Mac- Mackenzie Blackwood. And then use the uh, Mackenzie Blackwood and Joseph Wall. I want Samson off back. I'm just saying, like, in terms of cap, it wouldn't have been the stupidest idea.
1: Yeah. To me, though, it's the same situation. Like, besides, I guess, the money, if you could, excuse me, if you could convince Blackwood to take that show me deal, because obviously now Samson was going to want more than just the million. Uh, but it's literally, sorry, it's literally the same situation where they were highly tailored. To- Coming into their roles with Washington and New Jersey, they had a good couple years. Then they kind of fizzled down a bit. And then the teams pretty much gave them up for nothing. And now they're trying to prove that they're still that goalie everybody thought they were, just with different teams. So I guess yeah. besides the money aspect, where if, and that's if Blackwood wants that deal, right? Then other than that, I feel like it's the exact same situation. So why not just try to keep Samson off? And then you also keep the pick.
0: That's true. Um,
1: but I will say I don't that new that L.A. trade for Dubois was kind of a. I yeah, thought they gave up that, a bit too much for him, and then they gave him a, like that contract's horrible. Like, yeah. he, he he got paid way too much. Like I thought he would have went for like maybe six, six and a half, not just under nine.
0: Um. Well. I, I'm just saying, Alex Iafalo, he can be whatever people think he is. Like people, some people think that he's lazy. Some people think that he worried too much about the defensive um, strategy or defensive zone play in the beginning of his career, and now he's got the offensive zone down, and he struggles in the defensive zone. Whatever. I'm not too sure about Rasmus Kapari or Cupari or however you pronounce his name, but Gabriel Velarde. This guy was the guy who had, like, 20 goals in, like, 11 games last year. Remember that? And then everyone talked about him, and he yeah. was just scoring at will, and then he got hurt. So so L.A. gave up. This is what confuses me. is Everyone says, Ante Kopitar is going to take less. He's going to take $1 million next contract so he can help the team. They still have Philip Deneau. They haven't given Quentin Byfield a real, a real chance. They had Gabriel Villardi, who could have been like easily a top man forward, at two million dollars, and now they've given eight to eight and a half million dollars, whatever Pierre Luc Dubois got, to him for eight years. Do You know how old Pierre Luc Dubois? Twenty four. You know how many times he's asked for a trade on of a team? Three. Since yeah, well, well, I mean, technically, it's it's documented, I guess, three times, but. Last year, he showed up at the draft in Montreal because he thought Montreal was going to trade for them or for him. They didn't. Then this year, like literally a week ago, he had pictures with all the Montreal Canadiens players in Montreal chilling with them. And now LA trades for him and he signs an eight times 8.5 or whatever the deal was. You really think that this guy's going to want to stay there for eight years? Uh, Like that's just, yeah, that's just dumb to me. The ultimate goal for him is to get back to Montreal. So why would you even... I, I get it. You're trying to be competitive. You're trying to beat the Edmont- Edmonton Oilers, basically. That's who they're building their team around to try and beat them. Pierre-Luc Dubois is not going to do that. The only thing he's going to do is he's going to get on McDavid's nerves, and then eventually he's going to take stupid penalties just like he does against Matthews. To further my point about the Montreal thing, you could tell how bad Montreal wanted Pierre-Luc Dubois because once they... Once the deal is basically in place and they are working on a contract, Montreal sent a first, a second, and fair brother, whoever that is. who I think they drafted, like, last year uh, to Colorado for Alex Newhook to try and replace Berlick Dubois. Like, what? Which is also a bit of an
1: overpay, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, you're bad, because they still got to sign him to a contract. I mean, he's an RFA, so realistically, no one's going to offshoot him. But, like, a one- a first and a second and then a prospect is what people were saying Tom Wilson was get, would get. People were saying, I don't even know, name whomever is a big player. Uh, uh, judging
1: from the comments on your article, that's what people expected Tyler Foley to get. Well,
0: exactly. There you go. Now, uh, I think it was Patrick Alvin from from, Van, from Vancouver said he is under the impression that the reason why there's so much trade this year or this offseason, and there's going to be so much trade this offseason and at the draft and at free agency is because teams aren't the best or aren't the most satisfied with the free agent class and their asking price. So now they're going to go on a trade. Well, what happens when that happens? Like when the free agent class is weaker and teams want to trade? Typically, the other team who has the players like Calgary, like if Washington trades Tom Wilson, the asking price just went up. So now, knowing this, okay, a first and a second makes sense for Tyler Foley, but Alex Newhook, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, that just shows the smarts that Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick have to get a player or get a team to retain half on a player and send a roster spot who isn't even on your team going forward. He just counts as one of your 50 roster spots until the first. Literally, what? five, three days from now. Yeah. And then they turn around and send another roster player who doesn't have a contract with the other team needs to sign and then bring back a first and a second this year, not next year, this year. So now Colorado has like probably, I'm going to say around a full set of draft picks because Ken Hughes is an idiot. Like, I just don't understand. That's the trade that stands out to me the most is the Winnipeg trade. But subsequently, because of that, the Montreal trade.
1: I said this to you earlier. Um, it seems like that in today's NHL, like the last maybe six, seven ish years, teams don't completely see a rebuild through. Like you could argue maybe Toronto because like Matthews, Martin, Nylander, Riley, like they were all high profile picks. They all stayed, whatever. But like you could argue that they didn't because they added Tavares, they added. O'Reilly, Felino, they didn't have goalies, whatever. But it just seems like in in the the last eight years, we'll say, just seems like that te- once teams get to a point of rebuild where they're looking or they know they're a playoff team or they make the playoffs for the first year, then they just start dumping some of these guys that they've drafted to help get that rebuild to add established name guys, like with LA, yeah. like they're finally in a spot where they're in the playoffs, and instead of keeping and building around and adding players to compliment those guys who they drafted to be that guys to help them get to the playoffs. They trade some of them away to add an established name in Pierre Le Dubois, who realistically could have a worse year this year than Gabe Velarde was going to have. So like, if they like, it just, it's, it's, I find it annoying that they don't really stick through and I get like cap issues, whatever, but LA didn't have that. It's so, like, Villardi could have had a breakout an even bigger breakout year this year than he had last year, and he could have put up 70 80 points, but because your team is now in the playoffs and you want to stay in the playoffs and you want to try to push for that cup even more, you're going to start dumping these guys who you brought in through the draft through free agency, whatever to help your team win to make rebuild your team to make the playoffs again just get rid of them for no reason because you're you want to make the playoffs again and you want more established name players now. And you could argue, I guess, in a way, I was kind of doing the same thing. Although I don't really think they have that that high profile core. Like they have some good, like young guys, but I wouldn't say it's like high profile of the level of like a Matthews or a Marner. But now that they're 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 looking to make the playoffs, they're adding Alex Newhook, who I guess is a young player too. But like, it just seems like once a, all these teams get to a certain point, they're just like rebuild over. And now we need to add players and get rid of some of the players we've drafted, but the players that they drafted are the reason they're in that position anyway.
0: Yeah, so basically, like, well, we did talk about this earlier, and I agree with everything that you said. Even to the point that Gabe Villardi had 23 goals and 16 assists, and he was injured, he only played in, like, 50 or 49 games, and Pierre-Luc Dubois had 27 goals and 36 assists in 73 games. So Gabe was actually on pace for more points than Pierre-Luc Dubois was. But yet, Pierre-Luc Dubois is their established player. He's not going to do anything. He's not established. He's a whiner. That's what irritates me. He's like, people think Pierre-Luc Dubois is just saving grace. He's not. He showed that in Winnipeg. He showed that uh, in, in Columbus when he had the chance to be the guy. Like you wanted to be the guy you couldn't be the guy then you wanted out and now uh now now you you're going back to a team I mean LA's way better obviously than Columbus, but you're going back to a situation where like you said that you wanted to come can- to Canada you want to come home you want to go to Montreal and now you go to l a just he just his whole situation pisses me off.
1: Another thing I find annoying, just just because like in the last, we talked about the last couple minutes here, uh, it seems like even more today than in the past, which it could happen in the past too, I, I didn't really pay that much attention, when I was like really young, but like regional based interest is a huge thing nowadays, it seems like, like just off the top of my head, the three teams that come to mind are Toronto, Montreal, Minnesota, if you're a French-Canadian player playing in the NHL, you're automatically tied to the Montreal Canadiens. You're going to play there for some at some point in your career. Every off-season, every trade deadline, there's speculation articles come out that you're going to go there because you're French-Canadian you have to play for the Montreal Canadiens. If you're from the GTA or Toronto and the surrounding area and you play in the NHL, all the articles are always like, you're going to come to Toronto, you're coming home, you're going to play for the Leafs at some point in your career, you're going to be a superstar in Toronto. And then Minnesota the like it seems like it's the same way, like if there's a player in the NHL that's from Minnesota, it seems like oh like Justin Hall, people are like oh where should we just send Justin Hall and everyone's like oh send him home to Minnesota, like just because that player's from that region doesn't necessarily mean that they have to play for that team. It just and it popped into my head when you said Pierre broad connection to Montreal because like it, it just obviously Montreal has the they have to have a certain amount of French Canadians on their team. Most French Canadians want to play for Montreal because. Quebec te- Quebec team whatever, but like sometimes it's just a it's always annoying uh, the second a French Canadian player is drafted or a second a player from Toronto is drafted or Minnesota, you could even argue L A nowadays like or California, like the second a player from California is drafted is like oh they're gonna go play for the L A Kings or Anaheim Ducks at some point in their career they're gonna play for the Toronto Police if they're from the GTA Minnesota and it's just it's always it's always annoyed me that recently anyway that like the the second they find out that they're from that. Position. all the articles all the speculation is always about they're coming to this team they're going to this team they're coming to that team and then in reality half of the time it's not even more than half the time 90% of the time is just trying to get views on an article because the guy's connection to that team because that's his ethnicity or that's his where yeah. he's from or it's like yeah Pierre-Luc Dubois may want to play for Montreal he may have publicly came out and said it but I'm sure before he publicly said it 85% of the articles that were written about him coming to Montreal was strictly because he's a French-Canadian player and they're the Montreal Canadiens. The only French-Canadian, or t- obviously the only French-Canadian, but the only French team in the league.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly... And it's exactly... the same as Toronto.
1: Like, look at David Clarkson. Look at Wayne Simmons. They're old careers. They're going to come to Toronto. They're going to dominate. They're going to be the best Leaf of all time. They're going to throw their weight around. They're going to be fan favorites because they fight. And then David Clarkson lasted, what, one year? And then fizzled out because everybody realized that he actually wasn't as good as what everybody hyped him up as. The only reason everybody hyped him up is because he was from Toronto. And you yeah. can argue the same thing happened with Wayne Simmons. Yeah, there was a stretch of games where Wayne Simmons played well. And Wayne Simmons' favorite team growing up wasn't even the Leafs. It was Detroit. Yeah. But because, because he was from the GTA or Southern Ontario, everybody automatically linked him to Toronto, and that was such a great fit, and he's going to be a superstar in Toronto. And then a stretch of 16 games over the course of three years is all he has to show for. Because other than that, he has pretty much been non-existent.
0: Um, And that's like... Uh, who else was it? It was a couple of years ago. Oh, Steven Samkos. Everyone instantly looked him to the leaves because he's yeah. from Toronto. And then he said, F right. the leaves, and, uh... I want to sign back with Tampa. Isn't Alex Petrangelo
1: from Ontario too?
0: Yeah, from and Toronto. And he yeah. was
1: linked to the Leafs and all these articles came out that he was supposed to be playing for his hometown team. And, and then it came out afterwards that him and Toronto had never even actually talked to each other and he was never come to Toronto at all. They were literally on, T, on TSN saying Petrangelo to Toronto, 100% done. Both, both player and team have interest. They've talked to his agent. The contract's pretty much settled. And then he signs in Vegas. And then even his Carlo Koliakova was on TV saying it was true. And then yeah, I know. a week after he signed in Vegas, it was revealed that he never actually, he may have talked to Toronto at some point, but there was no deal in place. He wasn't even close to signing in Toronto. Like they, they don't know where all these stories came from.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, uh, not surprised. Um, this segment took a bulk of the time. I don't care how long we go for. Um, I'm I'm shocked though that I I thought that we would have just quickly ripped through that, but then we start talking about trades and trades are exciting. So, um, let's take a four second breather. Um, actually, no, we'll do the ad break later. So, um, you want to get right into the discussions? Uh, sure. All right, so we're gonna switch gears to the Leafs' draft plans. Um, Toronto has pick. 28, what do we say? 28, uh, 153, and 185. So first round, fifth round, and sixth round. Uh, This is where Kyle is going to come in as well. So let's start with pick 28. Should they trade it, in your opinion, or should they keep it? If they do trade it, who would you want them to get in return? If you, um, keep, if, you if you choose keep, if you choose keep, who would you you choose keep? Okay, tell me why.
1: No, no, you just kind of cut out. I didn't hear the last
0: part. Oh, sorry. That's I thought my computer first. Sorry. Uh, if you choose keep, who would you want them to pick? All
1: right, well, I am choosing keep. Sorry, just had to cough. Um, I am choosing keep.
0: I'll go with Kyle first. Kyle said he would keep the pick, and he would um, use it to draft Oliver Bonk, son of Roddick Bonk, who's, a, I believe, a left-handed defenseman, or right-handed defenseman, he's a defenseman, for the London Knights. Thanks, Kai Dog. Scott, you good now? Yeah, um sorry.
1: I said keep strictly because we know that uh, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and by extension, I guess, Tavares, but I think Tavares will take a lot less money on his next deal than he has this year or this deal, uh, Matthews, modern Neander all do ne- new contracts where they're all going to have increase in money, whether that's however much, two, three, potentially even $4 million increases. Your draft picks, your prospects developing, your guys you're going to draft in the future are going to become even more important because you're going to have less, less cap space to work around if you give those three players those bigger contracts. Um, so I feel like this year, next year, the coming years, they'll try to either... Keep as many picks as they can, or maybe even try to add a few more, just so that they can have that cycle of guys coming in and out of the team while Matthews, Bonner, are here. Uh, so I had three players in mind for the first pick.
0: Well, buddy's done his homework.
1: Started, yeah. Um, so the first player I actually wrote down was also Oliver Bonk. Uh, not just because he's a defenseman; Charles defense has notoriously been shaky at best over the last couple years Um, they have tried to improve it but specifically because when I looked at his stats he seemed his scouting report anyway seemed to be that he was a mass like a not a massive but like a physical presence shutdown defenseman who like was excelled in the defensive zone but then when I looked further into his stats it also seemed like he had the potential to develop into a an offensive uh, style guy too, so more of a two-way because he had 40 points in 67 games last year with London. Obviously, you could chalk that up to who he played with. London, I think, had a good team last year in the OHL, so depending on who he was on the ice with, points would have came. But the fact that he all like had 40 points and he's more judging by a scouting report, a defensive guy, like um, stay-at-home, physical type defenseman, but still put up 40 points, seemed like a bonus to me, where the Leafs could use him and develop him in, into both, uh, like a either a defensive juggernaut or an offensive player, or keep him as a two-way, because they seem to have a mix of either offensive guys or defensive guys, but no one who can really do both at an at a higher level. Uh, the next guy I wrote down was um, his name is uh, Danil Boot or Butt. Sorry if I mispronounced that, from uh, Europe. He is a left-wing 6'5", 195, so a bigger guy who could replace the guys in the bottom six. Obviously, it'll be a few years, if they draft them, of course, until he makes the team. But it seems like Toronto has a rotating door of guys coming in and out of the bottom six, whether through free agency through trades, through minor league call-ups, up and down. This year, I think, was probably the best bottom six we've had in a while, but with Asa Reese potentially leaving, David Camp potentially leaving, Noel Charlie maybe on the way out in the next couple of years. Uh you could add him as a replacement guy so that when those other big bigger, more physical, gritty dig in the defensive zone or offensive zone style players leave, then you could have him to replace them with. Uh and then again when I looked into his scouting report, he also seems to be scouted as an offensive style guy, which struck me as odd because he's six five. Um, but it says that he uh He's good at his stick handling and his puck moving ability, which Again, as a bigger guy isn't necessarily a go to when you see that he is six five. Most of the time you see a six five guy, you think he's a physical presence who just throws hits. So if he can come in and be a middle six guy for the least after I draft him, I think that's only a bonus. And then the third guy I wrote down for the first round was Bradley Nado Nadu. Uh the only negative I have against him is he's a college player right now. So you have At least four years, potentially, of him not being on the team in the minors. Uh, He's a little on the small end, only 5'10", 177. But he, at least from his stats I saw, and it was only in the BCHL, so he didn't even play junior hockey. He jumped from the BCHL to college. But last year in the BCHL, he had 113 points in 54 games. So if his game can transition from that to college, and he still puts up those offensive numbers, and then from the college to the NHL where he could still put up those offensive numbers Uh, that would be a huge blessing in for the Leafs because at that time Matthews, Nylander, Marner's new contracts if they all resign to five-year deals will be ending or on the way to ending and then you could shuffle him into the lineup and he could at least replace one of if not more than one if more than one Leaf so I kind of went with a two-way defense uh, offensive forward and more of a in my head, what should be a physical defense, but also has offensive upside, or often offensive forward, but also has physical upside.
0: Sorry. Um, can't lie, man. I also had Oliver Bonk. So does pretty yeah, much the list him, I saw. They <laughs> had
1: uh, I can't remember his name. His last name was like Sale or sale I don't know, like he had accents oh, yeah. in his name, so I don't know what where he's from and how they pronounce it. But the list I saw had him and he didn't like these three I saw I liked better, but I don't know much about him.
0: But it I, just uh, I
1: thought it was weird because we all went all of a bonk, but other people seem to have went away from that direction.
0: Yeah, and like so one guy that I saw that Toronto really had interest in, in, in drafting was Gabriel Perot. Yannick Pro, formerly former Canadian son. However, he's he broke Austin of Matthews' scoring record in the uh what's it called there? Uh the development program. Yeah. So he moved up and I think into like the top fifteen. And it's Edward Sale, right? Ed-
1: Edward Sale or Sale, yeah, yeah. Like his from, last name had accent. Yeah. I don't know what country he's from. Check. Yeah, so it might be Sale, yeah. but but yeah, it's spelled sale in English, so.
0: Yeah. Um. So to kind of go off what you said, I don't really know, to be honest with you. I had Oliver Bonk. I had Gavin Brindley, who's kind of like, could be a Zach Hyman-style player. Like, he's like into the corners, digs. Uh, but he's also small at 5'9", 160 pounds. Uh, Quinn Musty. Uh, I think he plays for Sudbury in the OHL. He's 6'2", 203. Apparently, he's got some like JVR-level skills. So, um, I mean, if we're going with what you said, in the replacement of the bigger players down the road, he could replace Jonathan, or John Tavares' skills because he has that. Um, and then there's Otto, Otto Stenberg. He's a regular sized dude, 5'11, 170, 176. Apparently, he's a dog. Like, he's like a bulldog mentality. He just never quits. Um, the one I'm going to butcher this guy's last name. I don't even know how to say it. I've been looking up this up for like the last five minutes. His name is Michael Harbaugh. I feel like I butcher that so bad. He's a goaltender, 6'6, 196. I feel like that name pronunciation oh, is just. Is that it? Is it H-R-A-B-A-L? Yeah, because, H- no, because the H is silent. Yeah. yeah. That pronunciation. I was going to write worst. it down too, actually. That's
1: funny. Um, yeah, it's like Hronik. Uh, hmm. H-R-O-N-E-K, but the H is sometimes of silent.
0: Well, it's kind of like Raspberry too. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the P
0: is silent. Um, yeah. So the reason why I put him down is because like, when, when people talk to him at the scouting combine stuff, he said that he'd rather win a Vesna than a Stanley Cup. Um, which, I mean, down the road, you obviously could win a Stanley Cup if you're a Vesna winner. But someone built that, it's like everyone says they want to win a Stanley Cup. The fact that this guy wants to win a, a, a individual award that isn't subject to hurting his team. Like, for example, if, I don't know, uh, Gavin Burnley said he wanted to win the Hart Trophy, yeah, that could be detrimental to his team because he's probably going to try too hard. I don't think it ever hurts to have a goalie that tries too hard. Um,
1: You could could also look at it from the perspective of he's more interested in individual accomplishments than team accomplishments.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I guess you could, but I just, I just, that doesn't bother me. I'm happy that, I mean, I don't know, especially the goalie. I'd rather have a goalie that actually gives it his all rather than like, look at the goalies that we've had come through here. Um, yeah. and him and Joseph Wall down the road could be a potential one two tandem. Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit tough because Toronto has twenty eight and a lot of people have him at with Bonk and um there's another guy there. Uh Musty was another guy. Uh Heights or Hides was another guy that I've seen people have. Um I know that they talked to Axel Sandine Pecola. Um or Picola. But he's supposed to go in the top fifteen. So and I know that they talked to Stenberg too. So oh yeah, I was gonna write him down too. Who's Stenberg? Yeah. And there's also um No, never mind. He's not in the top in the in the first round. So but yeah, so those are oh here here's another guy. Not that Charles would ever get him because it'll probably be virtually impossible to. Uh, there's another goalie. His name's Adam Gagon. Gagon. I think he's Czech, but he plays in Sweden. And apparently he's supposed to be good, too, but he's a second rounder. Not saying that Tron would use their first round pick to select a second, but there's also the Whoa. possibility that if there was no one there and they wanted this guy, they could trade their first, get a, get a second and a third and you're only moving down, like you would only need to move down, he's supposed to allegedly go in the 50 to 60 range, so you would only move down 20 picks, get a guy you want, and get an additional draft pick, which could be helpful to the team.
1: I thought I was muted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so with that, we'll move on to, what, round five? Round. Oh, oh, wait, sorry. Yeah, I said Kyle's, right? Uh um, yeah, bunk. Okay, and then for Kyle, I didn't necessarily give you guys um when I talked to you guys last last night about it, I didn't really give you guys um I mean, I I I I left that up to you guys. So I said you could either give me specific players as to who you'd want in the 5th and 6th round or you could tell me what position you would want to focus on. So Kyle's response to that was um I would focus on picking a, a forward in the later rounds so i'm going to assume that he wants a four in both rounds or potentially even one but in round five and six it's usually in seven it's usually best player available so let's go to yeah. you scott with do you have a couple options or do you just yeah, have... i got
1: two guys for round five and then one guy for round six
0: okay so let's go round five let's go to you uh you start
1: okay So, for round five, I had uh, Beckett Hendrickson, who is the son of Darby Hendrickson. Uh, One second, I accidentally backed down to the page. Uh, He's a left wing. He's also one of the reasons why I said they should pick him in the later rounds. He's also projected to have gone to college next year. He's the University of Minnesota, so that gives you four years to continue those skills he shows. Obviously, a later round pick isn't necessarily as high profile as a. First round pick, so maybe the the college route is the better way to go because then he can continue to develop. Uh, what I found interesting about him, though, is that Elite Prospects and NHL Central Scouting had him listed in the top 100. But um, Daily Faceoff, Draft Prospects Hockey, McKean Hockey, and FC Hockey all had him in the 100 or later round. Uh, and from the looks of his page here, he's not necessarily a high-profile offense guy. He's more of a, a puck handler, passer, Apparently, his, his passing skills are incredible. Uh, this little blurb says he can hook pucks around sticks, slip them under uh, skates, toss them over sticks with no wind up, even off the backhand. And he's also apparently good at, at plugging and opening lanes offensive and defensively. So if you can kind of develop him into a middle-sized guy as a late-round pick through college, through minors, and then NHL team, I feel like that'd only be a bonus for Toronto. And then the second guy I had written down was a defenseman from Finland. His name is Emil uh, Piananemi. Um, and he, not necessarily the greatest offensive guy, but he was seemed like more of a defensive guy from his stats here. Uh, he only put up six points in 17 games for the international junior team and then 13, 13 points in 31 games for the uh, under-20 SM Sarja team and Carpat under-20. Uh, but yeah, so just another defensive potential defensive guy, six two, one seventy. So when he adds a bit of muscle for his NHL physique, uh, he'll be potentially develop into a defensive stay at home guy who Toronto seems to be interested in adding now that they have Lilligren McCabe and Riley for their offensive options and Gustafson if they keep him, of course.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about Gustafson. Um. I, are you done?
1: Uh, Yeah, just the Henderson left wing and uh, and Piananemi, if that's how you say it. Sorry if I butchered that as the defense.
0: All right, so I'll go with my first pick, and I'm so glad you didn't take him here. I mentioned this on the Maple Leafs Lounge the other day Uh, Christian Kostadinsky, left handed defenseman.
1: I was actually going to write him down, but I figured you'd write him down, so I left him off my list.
0: Uh, thanks, buddy. Uh, left handed de- uh, defenseman, six foot five, 214, one of the biggest guys in the draft. Let me tell you about this guy. Okay. Considered a menace in his own end. A menace. We know a couple of menaces. We don't know any menaces on the Leafs, though. Maybe besides Michael Bunting. Anyways, he loves to play the body, doesn't worry about the offensive ability. Just worries about taking guys out. He clears, loves to clear the crease. Good at it, too. And the weird thing is, he's good at making the first like five foot pass. Who does that remind you of? The good five foot pass, Justin. Oh, I just know exactly. Everyone says it. Well, listen to this this guy could be the actual Justin Hall that everyone came to uh, or dreamt to have, but never had. So. If this guy's available and Toronto doesn't pick him, I'll be driving to Toronto, to the Scotia Bank Arena, wherever Brad Trey Living's office is, and I'll be slapping that guy in the face because he made a big mistake not driving this guy. Toronto has a lot of offensive ability, we know, but to actually have a defensive defenseman, homegrown, come on. Why wouldn't you want that? Uh, second pick, not as interesting. Small guy. He's five foot nine, one hundred eighty-two pounds. His name is Hunter Anderson. Hunter Anderson is not related to Joey, although I thought hmm, does make sense. I was wrong. Um, not really much to see here besides the fact that uh, in his you know um, U.S. high school prep days with the uh, Saint Mary's U18 prep, he had one hundred and fifteen points in fifty-four games. And uh, in 2021, with that same team, he had 131 points in 57 games. However, in the USH- USHL, he's only played seven games, and he has two points. He's committed to the University of Denver, which goes back to what Scott said. You sometimes need guys to go to university, to go to Sweden, to go overseas, play there for a few years, get better, develop, grow, mature, come back, whoop ass, so not that he's the biggest guy, but he could potentially turn out to be a guy um that people really really like. You know who that kind of reminds me of? That same style player. That same style player reminds me of Alex Kerfoot. Even if he puts up thirty points, he might be able to put up forty. But as long as he isn't wiffle stick like Alex Kerfoot, then we're fine. But that's the type of guy that came to mind when I saw this guy. I was like, uh, eh, I'll I'll him down just because Toronto Loves Alex Kerfoot. Um, Now we'll move to the sixth round. Pardon me?
1: Yeah. I was just agreeing with
0: you. Oh. Uh, We'll move to the sixth round. And Kyle obviously just said forward, so pick your poison. Um, And we will do Scott again. You lead us off.
1: I went different than Kyle here. I went defense again, uh, and I went with Canadian, uh, but playing in America, Larry Keenan, or potentially playing in America, uh, and I said that because right now, this coming se- off this coming season, he played for the Culver Military Academy in the States, but... Uh, according to Elite Prospects, he's listed as playing for in the BCHL this year and then the University of Massachusetts next year. So I picked him similar to why I picked Hendrickson is because he has at least four years of college plus the year in the BCHL of development to go before he can come to the Leafs. That'll give him a little bit of time to progress his game. And it'll give the Leafs a little bit of time to, if they're high on him, fill a spot for him because five years from now, who knows what the defense will look like. Uh, but yeah, he's a left-handed shot, which, I mean, isn't necessarily a bonus for Toronto. But he's a big guy, 6'3", 185. So those years in college, plus if he goes to the minors for a year or whatever to add muscle to his to his frame, would only be a bonus. And uh, he also apparently is a smooth skater and a, and a good puck handler. So a big guy with more offensive upside as uh, the last couple of defense I've listed off. It uh, would only be a benefit Toronto because, like I said, their defense in the last couple years have been kind of makeshift, mismatch here and there, add player when needed. But if they can start to develop some of these bigger physical players who have offensive upside who can turn into high-end uh, two-way players, then that, that obviously, again, is only a bonus for the team.
0: Yes, sir, it is a bonus. And that's the the difference between Scott and I and Kyle. We just are going for what Toronto needs. Kyle just wants forwards. Um, and you only had one. Uh, yeah, well, I only picked one because it was the
1: sixth round, and usually later round picks don't work out. So I didn't really bother yeah. to look through a whole bunch of players. I looked through a couple, and then just picked the one I like the best because there's a chance he could make it, but more than likely he'll be. And if he does make it, he'll just be like a 6 pair guy, uh, potentially, of course. But so I only wrote, I wrote three for the first, and then two for the fifth, and then one for the sixth, just because as the rounds go, the less likely they are to make the NHL.
0: That's true. Um, And once I get to this round, it's, or these rounds, it's essentially best prospect available based on what the scout in that region says. So, Um, all right, so I got two, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do three just, just because two of them are funny. Uh, My first one and the one I hope that they draft is Cole Canoble from the USA, 5'10", 170 pounds, son of Mike Knubel. I don't know if anyone remembers him, but he was around. Um, Cole Knubel is essentially what Toronto would need on a line with, if we're spreading these lines out, let's just say the first line, Matthews Marner, second line, Tavares Nylander, third line, Matthew, Nyes, and Robertson. Let's just say those are the lines. This is exactly the type of guy that you're going to need, although he's a right wing, so it'll make it a little bit more difficult for that to work. On some lines, he gets down low. He's good at, da- at down-low battles. He's good beyond the hash marks. He's good at the sidewall. He's good at the flank, but on top of that, he also has incredibly good hands. So he's he gets in front of the net. He's tipping like Joe Pavelski. Um, Toronto likes to shoot from distance, especially when they're uncomfortable a lot of the shots came back like five feet in the playoffs. Having a guy, he's not a big guy, 5'10". He's basically Michael Bunting size almost having him in front of the net with hands of steel, deflecting pucks, getting, getting rebounds, digging for pucks down low. These are the type of people that are made evident that Toronto needs exhibit a Zach Hyman. Exhibit would be Michael Bunting. These people worked on the lines with the big dogs because they also have a dog in them. Um, <laughs> Never secondly. do that again. <laughs> so, secondly, Mateo man. The only reason why I put this guy down is because the website that I looked at said that he was six foot forty five. I don't no, know.
1: Probably six foot six foot four and a half.
0: Yeah, I know. Okay. Just they they just put six foot forty five. So anyways, uh I actually don't know anything about him. Besides his right hand defense, maybe he's, he's two hundred and twenty-five pounds, but he kind of has that Justin Hall makeup, so we're gonna skip over him. Just mention him because of that. The actual second pick that I want is no one other than Marcel. Marcel, six foot four, ah, Mar- two hundred forty-two pounds. I mean, you can't go wrong with a guy with the first name last name that are the same. Well, I mean, I guess you could because Ivan Ivan Ivan.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But anyways. Uh. He got invited to the Detroit's camp after I think he went on draft last year. I'm going to assume that he didn't have any kind of um, signing or anything there. That's why he's back in the draft. He's a six-round pick. He's probably, like, it's right now saying that these websites are saying that he's probably going to go to a team like Montreal because he's going to be a higher-end six-round pick. It could make sense with Slavkovsky being, I think he's Slovakian, but like that kind of, and then they have the other guy there. Uh, I forget his name on the back end. They got, um, like, they seem to be building Ken Hughes likes more European and, like, I guess Russian, Czech, uh, Slovakian style players. So it kind of fits there. But if Toronto has a chance to get this guy, why not? Just on his name alone. Like, and, and, one second, sorry. He also has like he, he also has skills. He made the world junior team. He's made the under eighteens. He's made the under sixteens for uh, Czechia every time. I think he was on the Olympic team. So he obviously has skill, just not enough. So to me, this is like a peering vault kind of pick. You pick him, he's big, you hope that he can skate fast. You hope you hope that he has the, the heart to get there. And then when he gets there, you just use him in a depth role. I'm not saying this guy's gonna ever come an NHL player, but he is an interesting left-handed right winger, though. So I mean I don't I don't know. I don't know what people think about that, but I personally think that's more normal than having a right winger on the right side and a left winger on the left side. That's the type of stuff I like to see. So with that, that concludes the draft coverage. Arruf, rough Nope. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um. So, with that, we're actually going to take a break. We're going to get a word from our show sponsors, DraftKings. Raycon's show sponsoring uh, sponsorship is over for now. Uh. So we're going to get a word for uh, DraftKings. Not a lot to bet on these days. There's basketball. Sorry, there's no basketball. Actually, there's baseball, soccer, tennis, golf makes some money. So. Uh, I guess get out there and try and win some dollars because I I couldn't even help you with a little betting segment. If our nephew is here, though, he'd help you, wouldn't he, Scott? Uh,
1: I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What?
0: I said if our nephew was there, he would help us. Do what? Help us with the betting segment. Oh, yeah, except, yeah. Except not actually because I don't think he's really won any money off betting. He just he likes to pretend. Anyways, uh, we will be back. Write down the promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, And we'll be back after these words. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. We're back. Thpn, write down that code. Win some money. Donate to us. Easy solution. Uh, so now we're going to focus on a little bit of uh, business uh, that's not draft related uh, around the surrounding the Leafs. So we've got uh, we've got Matthews and Neilander's contract extensions. We got uh, some Matt Murray talk and some RFA UFA jazz. Uh, so, we're going to start the Matthews and Nylander segment or or um, prediction. Sorry. So, we're going to predict their contract extensions, and we're going to start with Kyle. Kyle said Matthews is going to get a four year, $13 million AAV, and Nylander is going to get a five year, $9 million AAV. I uh, I hope that he's wrong about both, but he could be kind of bang on, actually. But he probably just got this off uh, Wait, Twitter sorry, or Instagram. what, what you say? He said Matthews well, four, four years, uh, five years oh, nine yeah. million. Hmm.
1: All right. Yeah, I can see that happen. It's um pretty similar to what I put down too. Actually, I put my Nylander five years nine million, and I put Matthews five years twelve million.
0: You said sorry? What?
1: I said Nylander five years, nine million, and then Matthews five years, 12 million.
0: Okay. Um, You guys are all wrong. It's clearly going to be. Sure. (laughs) Buddy, let me come in here. It's going to be Matthews four years at $12.7 million, $12.734 million. And then Nylander is going to get eight times 8.8. Book it. I yeah, hope that, I uh, right. <laughs> buddy, I was the most specific.
1: <laughs> yeah, but there's no point in doing like 0. 0.73. Just yeah. round it off. But
0: then I'd be wrong. Because I mean, so obviously he like for t-
1: he may get a, he, he may get a $12.7 million contract, but like, is there really a point you saying that specific? Cause then if you're wrong, it just makes you look like an idiot.
0: Yeah, but also, if you guys say $9 million, and then he signs for, like Nylander, say he signs for 8 point, I don't know, let's say 8.85, and I said, oh, I'm just going to do $8 million rather than rounding it, then you guys are going to be like, oh, wait, never mind, okay. I'm right. First
1: of all, you got to learn how to round, because if it's 8.8, <laughs> 8, you just round up to 9. You wouldn't round all the way down to 8. That's 800 million, or 800 million, $800,000 you're losing your
0: on. Buddy, I was taking a sip of water. I was spat on my laptop. Eight
1: hundred million. Spencer has six hundred ninety dollars. He needs to round off. He's just like, here, just take six <laughs> hundred.
0: No, buddy. What I was trying to do was the Price Is Right thing. But then you guys went over either way. So... Price is right. If you, Sucking. yeah, but if we're still close than eight million. Buddy, you're wrong. Just admit you're, it.
1: You're one hundred and fifty thousand dollars off. So you just ran down to eight.
0: Like what? No. All right, let's just make these rapid fire here, buddy. Okay, so we got the contract extensions in place. Yep. Now we got a little Matt Murray action. Matt Murray, what do you do with him? Buy him out, trade Trade him.
1: No point buying him out. The only way I can see them buying him out is if nobody wants him. Then you have to take the cap hit, even if it's only going to be like what one and then one point seven million or whatever. But at this point with the cap situation and you need the cap room to re-sign Matthews, Mann, or Nylander, potentially Tavares in the coming years, you still have to re-sign all the guys who are RFA's UFA's plus add maybe a couple other pieces. There's really no point where buying them out makes sense. You just trade them for a pick and then you're clear of the cap.
0: Okay. Uh, some people are saying Pittsburgh might be interested. So see ya, buddy. Uh, yeah. I would probably trade them for, um, you're probably gonna to have to give up a pick or a prospect back. So I would probably do something like, um, I don't know, hide uh, I don't even. No one's coming to mind right now, and on the top of my head, but someone like say, yeah, like you, a Bobby you, you McCann you style thing.
1: Like I'm sure there's prospects Toronto has that they haven't given a contract yet. That That's they drafted. true. Yeah, you could just offer up one of those guys.
0: That's true. The other thing is, um. There's also a rumor that Toronto might use him as a long-term injury relief and just try and figure out a way to make him not pass the physical.
1: Or you throw uh whoever, was his name, Duragashintsev? Is that yeah. the guy who wants to go to Russia? You throw no, him he, in and then get like a six-round pick in return.
0: He might not go to Russia. Like The the situation there and is also, the Russian team that has his rights is offered him a contract, but he doesn't want it. If he leaves Toronto, he wants to go to another Russian organization, and there it's not going to be able yeah. to happen with. Or
1: you you go to play Pittsburgh, who has literally one of the greatest Russian players of all time, and Evgeny Malkin. I feel like that'd be a draw point.
0: That's, that's valid. Um, Why? I said that's valid. Be a valid point, um, and then the last one is two UFAs. Of the UFAs and RFAs that are there. Oh, wait. I got to read Kyle. Uh, Kyle said about the Matt Murray thing, he said... Uh, he didn't answer that question, actually. All right. Yeah. He didn't answer it. Um, so, I guess, do nothing. Okay. So, lastly, uh, of the following... Uh, who are two players that you'd want to bring yes, back? Yes, he did. Did he? Yeah,
1: uh, he said find a way to trade him.
0: Oh, yeah, find a way uh, right there. Okay, so of the following, who are two players? This is rapid fire. Uh, of the following, who are two players that you'd want to bring back? Rana Raleigh, Bunting, Camp, Kerfoot, Achari, Zachas, and Shen, Shen, Samson Samsonoff. I'm leaving Hall off because we know the answer to it. Kyle said Shen, yeah, I would never off. In. Who are yours? Kyle said Shen, Samsonov.
1: Okay, well, realistically, I couldn't pick two, so I wrote down four. <laughs> which I <know> goes <laughs> against, but, like, I wanted all four back, and I feel like they're all bonuses of the team, so I wrote down Camp, Shen, Achari, and Samsonoff. Camp, just because he's literally one of the best defensive forwards we have, and he's also good at face-offs. Uh, Shen, because he's probably the best defensive defenseman we have. Yeah, uh, Chari because he's probably the best bomb switch guy we have, and then Samson because he's proven he's himself to be a <laughs> again. And if it's not Sam's it's pretty much Matt Murray, and I'd rather have Sam's
0: Yeah, I would honestly like if we're allowed to do over two. I would have to agree with you. I would want Ryan O'Reilly back. You made Ryan the rules. That's true. <laughs> I would, If, like, if I'm being if honest... We're I would down ride... two. You literally wrote that down. <laughs> I would want Ryan Riley back because he quickly became one of my favorite players, but uh, yeah, I would probably be Camp, Achari, Shen, and Samsonov.
1: Yeah, the only negative I had against Riley is he's probably going to want too much money. Because there was the rumor yeah. there that he was going to sign for less, but now I think it's like around $5 million and the Leafs aren't affording that. So
0: that. Yeah, especially with St. Louis wanting to offer him a contract so
1: yeah you could just bring in another like yarn croak style player who could fill that middle six role for less money yeah so. or if nick robertson tells you by the beginning of the year and he can go off on the year then you just replace him with him and then you also have matthew nyes who could fill into that role
0: too so okay idea let's do a free agent uh rapid fire we don't need to pick one We can pick a defenseman, a goalie, a forward, whomever. Um, Let's try and aim for three guys. I didn't ask Kyle this because it just popped in my mind, so I apologize, Kyle. Um, But we will be looking at that right now. Uh, For some reason, this isn't loading. Okay, it's loading. So my free agent, um, three free agent picks that I would want Toronto to look at. One, Connor Brown. Uh two, Miles Wood. And three. Ooh, this one's tough. Let me go to fence quickly. For some reason I only put forward. So Connor Brown, Miles Wood. I like them type of guys. I like the the middle guys. The middle six, the top nine. Uh sorry, the bottom six or the top nine. And then we're gonna go with uh We'll go with Carson Susie, six five two zero eight. Yep, Carson Susie.
1: All right, Uh, I'll go with uh, Gustav Nyquist. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He had a bit of a down year, coming off a five million dollar contract. You could probably convince him to take less. And injured. Show me deal. but is he going to be injured for the beginning of the year?
0: No, no. I mean, like that's why he had a down year.
1: Oh yeah, 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 but like only he only had twenty seven points, so like if he's not gonna garner five million dollars. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my next one was uh, Brian Dumoulin, who kind of he may ask for a little bit more than four million, but he's a pretty solid defensive defenseman. If Toronto could kind of try to convince him to take around three, I think that'd be a solid deal for them. And then my third one was also Connor Brown, who could fill into that top six, middle six role that they're losing in uh, Bunting and Ron O'Reilly. If they don't yeah, bring Bunting back, of
0: course. It's just so depressing that, like, it's just absolutely so depressing that he's just going to go to to uh, to Edmonton. Like, pretty much so already said Connor to Sony, Brown. he was on some, yeah, he's on some podcast and said, like, Edmonton would be the team that he'd want to go to the most yeah um just That'd quickly though McDavid
1: the draw apparently so.
0: well and he he played with mcdavid and Juniors when that's when well, that's why Toronto drafted him when they did because he had like uh, one of the years he had like 130 points or something kind of brand yeah like um an interesting thing for people to note is the RFA situation so like Samson off last year he got made available he wasn't qualified Uh, which means typically people are going to offer you I mean depending on who you are but there's a reason why they're probably not qualifying you and Samsonov's case they didn't think that he had what took Toronto gave him like one point whatever it is two million or whatever and he showed that he could do it Uh a couple people to note that are said to be on un- or not go qualified or not be qualified is Jesse Pooley RV from Carolina he could go back to Finland or Sweden, like in that. Uh, well, he's from Finland, but he could go to the SHL. Uh, he could also stay in the NHL. Uh, Ethan Baer for Vancouver, right-hand defenseman. And he's coming off 2.2. So, like, they're trying to move him, though, but he could potentially, 26 years old, he could be a replacement for, like, the right-hand side, Justin Hall. And then another one who was un- made unqualified or announced that he wasn't getting qualified today is Maxime Comtois, who we talked about earlier. He's probably going to want to go to Va- or Montreal, let's be real. But those are a couple players to keep your eye on, as well as Caleb Jones from Chicago, also a defenseman, brother of Seth Jones. Um, could be an option. What are you doing over there? Scott.
1: Uh, sorry. I was uh fixing my mic because
0: I got knocked over. Oh, okay. But he's just but he's just making so much noise. Um Sorry. yeah, so no, that's cool it's cool. Uh with that, that pretty much seals the deal. Unfortunately, with how the draft and free agency fell this week. I mean, it's not really any different any any of the time. The draft is usually the last week of June. When is September, free Saturday? Okay. All right. yeah. yeah, July 1st. So, like, typically it's no different, except last year it was different. The draft was this last week of June, and the, and the free agency was July 7th, I believe, which made it a little bit easier us, for us to um, to do two pods. We won't be able to do two pods. That's why we did such a lengthy one. Uh, and we're on to summer, uh, summer hours or summer podcasts, so it's going to be less sporadic. We're going to be back with you guys Uh, for another one in the next two weeks. And then uh, from there, we'll probably be looking at a couple weeks off. Me and Scott play baseball. Kyle plays baseball. Me and Scott played baseball for the first time in years this year. So it's been kind of fun and time-consuming. So we're going to try and enjoy our summer and come back. But once basically the end of August comes, we'll be back regularly or as regular as we can with uh, podcasts almost every week, depending on schedules and, and all that jazz. So make sure you check out our social media, our our website, or anything that you can rate, subscribe, review, whatever. Check us out. Um, Give us a review. Give us a rating. Comment on Twitter uh, who you think on these questions that we asked. And uh, from there, I might be putting, like, stay tuned on our Twitter page because we might be putting polls out tomorrow during the draft. Um, And lastly, before we sign off, the hockey podcast network is doing a live stream of the draft with different podcasts. We, Scott Kyle, and I didn't sign up for it. Um, so if you do like that kind of stuff, check out the hockey podcast. We'll try and uh, retweet that tomorrow so you guys can get a live stream of some of the other podcasts that are on here. Um, and other than that, just uh, yeah, stay tuned, enjoy, have a good summer, and uh, we'll chat next time.
1: Thanks.